This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 121 of Horsemanship Radio, brought to you by Omega Fields, the world's best omega-3 supplements for horses. Horsemanship Radio is a part of the family of the Horse Radio Network, and today we have two ladies that have just changed the horse world in different ways. This is Debbie Lauks, and you're listening to Horsemanship Radio. Thanks for joining us. Horsemanship Radio airs on the 1st and the 15th of the month, and I have my producer, Coach Jen, with me today. Hi, Jen. Greetings. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm excited to share everybody with everybody today. There is just a, this is such a fun interview. I had to do this by myself because you were in North Carolina when we did this. We were busily vacationing, so you got some it's an all girls show again today. It, it is. You know, there's a lot of girls, if you hadn't noticed, in the horse business. <laughs> a there lot is. of girls. And it was a lot there was a lot of girl power at WEG also. Good. There was. Good. Glad to hear it. Love it. Sort of feminist horse. How do you do equine and feminine at the same time? Feminine. Feminine. Something like that. Yes. Something like that. It's and it's neat to see when you go to these World championship shows and the international competitions. It's great to see the female athletes out there putting on the medals and bringing home the blue ribbons because as you move up the levels in most disciplines, um, the percentage of male to female competitors will equal out or even be more male than female because, for whatever reason, culturally here in the United States at least, uh, women tend to drop out of the competition ranks as they get up there. And it was great to see so many women out there competing at the very top level and bringing it home and winning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. I, I was dying to hear what you were going to say after the because, because I have no idea why that really happens. But <laughs> Right? Like, because why? I've been dying to know. But know. yeah, no, it is, it is fun. It is fun to see uh, sports where the women can compete on the same level as men. I mean, I, I get it about football and things like that. Yeah. That I, you know, It's just a difference between men and women. But in horse sports, you know, it's your horse and, and it's your head. Uh, and, and it's a good training concept. So I, I love to see the women uh, staying and competing and, and enjoying it, you know, and traveling. And it's a really cool thing. But I actually got to talk to um, the lady that brought us the briar mustang named cobra he's world famous he's famous and he has his own briar and she was there it was marcia saps and you're going to hear from her and she was there to show off cobra turns out you know the demonstration horses were canceled but she was there with belson and you know we said well let's do something fun anyway so i got to interview her and people will get to hear that coming up and also heard from an author while you were gone too and i think you're going to like her too colleen shays a goldsmith. So she's going to get some of that. I can't Mm -hmm. wait to hear her chat. I didn't get to hear it because I wasn't there. And I'm very, very curious to hear what she has to say, because like so many people getting into horses, she left it for a while. And now she's revisiting that passion later on. True. It's going to be a great conversation. Very relatable and yet inspiring too. like, gosh, I could do that. Maybe, you know, it's what she's doing is really cool. There we go. And let's get right to it. Hi, Joe Camp here to share about Omega Fields. Omega Fields exists to help you keep your first promise to the horses you love, to care for them well, 
Nutrition is the foundation of a healthy life and supports all the activity that brings you and your horse so much joy. Omega-3s from flax are the cornerstone of that foundation. So, coupled with the finest ingredients and their proprietary pure glean flax stabilization process, they created Omega Horseshine, Omega Horseshine Complete, Omega Nibblers, Low Sugar and Starch, Omega Antioxidant, and Proventum Probiotic Soft Treats. Thousands of horses are experiencing a vibrant life with the help of Omega Fields products, including all of ours, a part of helping you keep your promise to your friends. Nutrition for a healthy life isn't just their slogan. It's their purpose. Marsha is the head trainer and owner of Southern Oaks Equestrian Center in Tallahassee, Florida. She is a competitive dressage rider and gone through the FEI levels, trainer of hunter jumpers, and starts young horses under saddle, too. Through natural horsemanship, Marsha has uh, helped establish a level of trust with young competition horses. She's got it all going. And Marsha is an accomplished rider. She's won over 10 national championships, three world championships, won two Mustang makeovers, and in the top five finalists of the America, American Horsewoman's Challenge. Amazing stuff. Well, welcome, Marsha Sapp. I'm honored to have you on, especially under such conditions. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I'm happy to have you. You went all the way from Tallahassee, Florida to North Carolina to find out what? Oh, yep. I'm at WEG. I'm at the World Equestrian Games here in Tryon, North Carolina, and I was invited to come to be a demo rider uh, for the World Equestrian Games, which is a huge honor. Super exciting. Did a lot of preparation and planning for this. But I got here and found out that they didn't have enough stalls here at the World Equestrian Games, didn't have enough stabling. So all of the demos were canceled. And I found out five hours before I was supposed to get here. But, you know, it's not just me. I'm in good company. That was Dan James and Guy McLean and a lot of other big names from the horse industry. That's true. And I was going to be with you next week. I'm so sad. So, yeah. I was so excited to do something with Monty Roberts, of That's course. Right. That's right. I was just too many as assistant, but I was going to get all the fun stuff to go around and meet you all and um, and actually um, have Dad share his horses and healing routine that he does with a, an untrained, unstarted horse in some cases. In this case, it was going to be a Mustang. So we wanted to get our Mustang theme in, and I'm so glad that you um, agreed and offered to be with us on the show. So I feel like I got a little bit of WEG, not too much, but just a taste of WEG, mm-hmm. probably the driest taste that we could find. Mm-hmm. But um, but I was excited to talk to you about what you've done, Marsha, and what you're doing, and probably what you'll spend your life doing. Am I right? Yeah, absolutely. You're an amazing competitive dressage rider through the levels, and uh, you've trained hunter jumpers and started lots of young horses under saddle. We've we've read your bio, but um, this turn to Mustangs is one of those that I love to have you talk about the experience because you've been able to take horses that were completely wild and put them into situations mm-hmm. that most horses don't even experience out, you know, in the numbers of horses. So tell us a little bit about um, the horse that you brought to WEG to demonstrate with Cobra. Tell us a little bit about yeah, his horse- history. 
Yeah, Cobra's an interesting horse, and he's a, a great horse. Um, he was a horse that came to me through the Extreme Mustang Makeover in 2010. And those of you that know about the Extreme Mustang Makeover, you know it's a trainer's competition where a trainer takes a completely wild horse and has 100 days to train it for a competition. Uh, so that horse came to me through that program, and I, I kept this horse after the Extreme Mustang Makeover. And I, I decided that I wanted to do something with this particular horse to showcase the talents and the relationship that people can have with the American Mustang. Well, so this it, horse, Cobra, was sick. I didn't want to interrupt when you, he but, came to me. but, but yeah. he was six. Yeah, this is a big mm-hmm. distinction because a lot of people will try to get the twos and threes-year-olds. But he was six, and he was a three-strikes designation, too. So b- that means a little bit more than what you were normally taking on for for most Mustang challenges. Tell us a little bit about what working with a six-year-old, first of all, that's been wild till six. And then what does three strikes mean? Yeah, the the three strikes horses is a term that the BLM labels horses as when the horses have been offered for adoption three or more times and not been selected by an adopter. So at some point, the BLM needs to move on to what they feel are more adoptable horses. So after the horses are given a chance at three or more adoptions, they can be labeled a three strikes horse, which is an unadoptable Mustang, and then shipped to long-term holding. Um, that way they could spend their time and resources on younger Mustangs that, that, that may have a shot at getting a home. So Cobra is a three strikes Mustang. He was six, um, and he also has a distinct four digit hip brand um, on his left hip, which shows that he's an unadoptable horse. And, you know, when horses are six, they, they can be a little bit more challenging to train, whether they're wild or not. So Cobra being a six-year-old did prove to be a little bit more of a, a challenge than, than, say, a three-year-old horse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's not a small horse either. When did you decide that he might actually like dressage? That was probably well after the three months. Yeah. <laughs> it, definitely, it definitely was not in the first hundred days. Um, he's a little bit larger compared to most Mustangs. He's 15-1. He's very stout and big bone. Most Mustangs, I find, are right around 14 hands. So he was a little bit bigger than most. Uh, built quite uphill um, and, and had a good stride about him. And, and I thought that, you know, after the Extreme Mustang makeover, I didn't think he was a good candidate for me to adopt out to other people because he still had some tendencies that would make me think um, he couldn't go into the general public. Um, those, those things, of course, asserted themselves out. He's a wonderful, yeah. wonderful yeah. horse now. And, and I thought, well, if I'm going to keep this horse in continuous training so that he has a wonderful life, what can I do with this horse? So it was probably a good six months to a year after the Mustang makeover that I decided to start showing this horse in classical dressage. Um, so it, it was an evolution over time, just seeing, seeing what was a good fit for this horse. Yeah. So... How do you get to pre-St. George? My goodness, that's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's amazing for any horse, especially for a wild Mustang, to compete at, at what is called an FEI level. It's an international level. So I had, I had a goal. Um, you know, I am a horse trainer. I train whatever people send me, and I'm a young horse specialist, which means the majority of what I'm training are young warm bloods. I'm starting them under saddle for top riders to do dressage and hunters and, and eventing. But that being said, I'm a young horse specialist, which means the majority of horses in my barn 
are in their first one to two years of training and they don't they don't have advanced training which is what we need for the advanced level um, and myself as a rider I wanted to achieve some goals myself I wanted to get my bronze and my silver medal in dressage and what did I have in my barn that could actually do flying lead changes and half pass and some of the other things necessary for upper level dressage but this Mustang. Yeah. So I started to, yeah. So I started showing him the first year I showed him, he was a, a, a reserve national champion for the USDF all breed awards. And that was at first level. Um, the second year I showed him, he was a, a USDF national champion at third level. Gosh. Um, and then the following year, the third year that I showed him at recognized dressage, he was a, a USDF um, all breeds champion at pre St. George, which is an FEI level, which means, uh, me as a rider, I was able to earn my silver medal on, which was formerly a wild Mustang. Would you have ever guessed? No, <laughs> who would have ever dreamed that? Right. So Isn't let me get amazing? this right. What the, what year was the Mustang makeover that you did? The Mustang makeover was in 2010. It was late in 10. the year of 2010. And so by 2014 and 15, well, by 2015, you're pre-St. George and you've won your silver. Yep. Holy moly. Yep. And That's also, incredible. Yeah. And, and on top of that, in 2015, Cobra was also a national champion and a world champion in USEF Western Dressage as well. Ah. That's beautiful. Yeah. And so when you go on YouTube and you put in Marsha Sapp or Cobra, you will see the most beautiful dressage you wouldn't know it's a mustang unless you see his brand not only the brand that people recognize the sort of hieroglyphics on the uh, near side of the horse's neck but also this big branded you know hey don't even try deemed unadoptable on his uh, near hip and he is performing the most beautiful dressage moves you can imagine it just it just makes you swell up it's wonderful yeah. And then you go yeah, on, awesome. you go on and you become, um, you get to go to Briarfest. So tell us about Briarfest. So that was really cool and something else that I never would have imagined would happen. So after Cobra's uh, banner year, per se, in 2015, he, he was the first Mustang in the world to ever win a world championship and also the first Mustang in the world to ever win a USEF Horse of the Year award. So Definitely a huge honor for that. Definitely a huge honor for that. So in 2017, the Briar, Briar Horse Company uh, released a new Briar model horse, which was called Cobra. So Cobra has his own Briar horse. <laughs> and, and what did you do at Briar Fest? What, what is part of the festivities if people have never attended, which I haven't. I'd love to know. Oh, you should go. So Briar Fest is mm -hmm. awesome. They, they have um, a, a huge event in Lexington, Kentucky, where they, um, they basically showcase their briar horses. It's a huge horse event, and they bring in the live briar horses that are created, um, that, that the briar models are created from, and we do live demos every day. So Cobra was able to do musical freestyles every day to uh, music from DreamWorks Disney movie, Spirit. Aww. So the Spirit, yeah. Spirit movie is awesome, of course. Um, yeah. and right, very recognizable music. And we were also able to do the Briarfest night show with Yvonne Bartow, where they yeah. dress up the horses and have them under spotlights, which is really beautiful too. 
So I got to show the world this, this amazing horse who has this amazing story and have it be appreciated by all those children and families that came. Oh, what? I'm just goosebumps. Goosebumps, Marsha. But now you've trained other Mustangs, too. I, I saw a dream and a freedom. Do you have a type that you look for, or do they just find you? So for the Extreme Mustang Makeover, we get randomly selected Mustangs. So it's it's not unlike a, anything else that a normal horse trainer would get. You know, we don't get to pick the horses we train. They They come mm-hmm. as they come. And the Mustangs are the same. They're randomly selected. So I'm actually not picking out these horses. You're going to, you're going to train what, what shows up that day. And, and when you end up where you like having them, um, and I saw the amazing things that Dream and Freedom did and Cobra, of course, do you, do you find yourself with mares or geldings, um, as a, you know, as a preference? I don't have a preference. I think no. both mares and geldings definitely have something special to offer. Um, you know, for me, it's the way you communicate to your horse. It doesn't matter what their gender is or their color is or their sizes. They all have their own personalities. And it's important for us to listen to the horse and, and train the horse for what's going to work for them. I love them all. I always tell everyone if it has four hooves and a tail, I love it. <laughs> That's awesome. You're such a horse girl. I love you. That's wonderful. So what would you say to a horse person who's inspired by by these stories? I'm thinking I'm the person listening to you going, my gosh, I've been doing dressage my whole life. And here I am. Would I ever entertain the idea of a Mustang? What would you say to them? I would say anything is possible with enough time and imagination. I never would have thought in a million years I would even ride Cobra when he came out of the wild. I didn't even think I could ride him. And, and now he's a Briar model horse. He's a world champion. He's a USEF Horse of the Year Award recipient. And it is only because I have the imagination and determination to just try a little bit every day. The, the one common denominator with horses is that the expectation for, um, for them comes from within with us. And if you ride your horse and you work with your horse every day and they're 10% better every day, in 10 days at 10%, isn't that 100%? That is. And you just, and then you repeat, you know, it's a little bit every day. It's a small expectation every day. But if you put in the time and, and make those small improvements every day, you would be so amazed what could happen mm-hmm. over time with that 10% every day. And, and that's the expectation that you're looking for. So it's in your heart and your head. The horses just come along. Yeah. They don't have to be 100% better that day. They just have to be 10%. That's it. Incremental. Incremental Incremental. is a great word in horse training. Yeah, yeah. And what happens when you have a setback? What happens if you're frustrated? What do you do? You work on something different. You can get 10% Mm -hmm. better at something else that day. Very good. Because there's so many different things to work on. And maybe I can get 10% better at walking, walking backwards in hand or having them pick up their feet or teaching them to smile. There's something else that I could work on that day. If I have a setback in a different area, it doesn't mean things aren't going to happen. It's just sometimes in a different order than what we think. Right. And so do you travel, do people get to see you in other places besides Tallahassee, Florida? I mean, WEG was an exceptional, uh, interesting thing to be invited to. That's awesome. Yeah. I, coach the college here in Tallahassee. It's FSU. So I coach their dressage team. So sometimes you can see us at intercollegiate competitions. We'll go to dressage shows here in our region. 
we'll go to hunter jumper shows here in our region. Um, and I, you know, I, I always like to go to these big events where it's kind of a, a melting pot of, of, of different talents, like the world equestrian games, just to experience the different talents everyone has to bring together. So sometimes at big events like this, I can be found even in this case where I'm not doing the demo with my horse this time, uh, you know, I'm still able to meet with people and, and share the story about, uh, about Cobra and, uh, and about horsemanship in general. And so where do you see yourself going forward? Are you going to do these Mustang makeovers uh, in the future too, or? Well, there, <laughs> there may be a Mustang makeover oh. coming up in Florida in January. We pick up the horses in January. The makeover will be in May, but hey, there's that possibility. We we might be doing it all over again. And you could follow my Facebook page in order to see the progress with, with this Mustang makeover if this is going to happen, which I oh. think it is. I love it. You heard it here. <laughs> That'd be so great. And the fun thing about that is because we were not able to make WAG, Monty, Dad, and I, um, we we might actually have a little do over and come to maybe the maybe the Florida area, probably Wellington. But we're we're asked by the Brook Animal Welfare Group to mm-hmm. um, take those tickets that we had to turn away because of the way the hurricane. Right. That we might be able to meet you still in Florida. I hope. Hey, wouldn't that be fun? And you know, it Wellington's would. a great place. Wellington's a great place to meet. Lots of horse people there beautiful weather in the fall never know all right well we'll put that on our wish list and i and i do hope i get to meet you and shake your hand you're amazing and i i would love to kiss cobra's nose and i would love to see what you're doing in 2019 so where can people go besides your facebook page do you have a website or anything else that you want to give as a contact Yep, you can go to Facebook, which is Marsha Hartford Sapp. Uh, Cobra the Mustang has its own Facebook page as well. The website is southernoaksequestrian.com. Uh, you can find me and all those things. And you can also go to YouTube. Um, check out some yeah. of our videos on YouTube, including Cobra's original uh, music video, which is actually being aired here at WEG this weekend. Oh, congratulations, Marcia. It's wonderful to hear a little bit more about your story, but um, I hope people will explore that YouTube too, because you, with that music, it's beautifully written. Was that, um, what was the gentleman's name who wrote the music for you for the documentary? Peter Prince. Peter Prince Peter from New Jersey. Prince. Yeah, very nice. We should give him credit there too, but go, yeah, listeners should go on YouTube and just put uh, Cobra or Marcia Sapp's name in there and you will be amazed. You'll get goosebumps. It's really fun. Mm-hmm. Really fun. Well, thank you. Thanks, Marsha, for being on Horsemanship Radio today. And stay dry. Okay. Well, we have beautiful weather today. So keep our Darn fingers crossed. Keep your fingers crossed for us here in North Carolina. Yeah, we will. We will. We send our love. All right. Thank you so much. Hi, Carol Herter here, president of Cavallo, home of the world's most trusted and popular hoof boots. You know, one of the most interesting parts of what I do is the many horsey stories I get to hear. Most of them are really uplifting. Some are stories of challenges, and a few are downright sad. Recently, a wonderful woman took the time to approach us at a show to share a story about her horse who went down in quicksand. It started out as a really scary story. We were holding our breaths. 
waiting for the outcome, and it turned out wonderful. They winched the horse out relatively unscathed, albeit, you know, a little traumatized, and everyone standing around were super amazed that he still had his cavallo hoof boots on. Scary story with a good ending. Another testament to cavallo. If you don't have a pair for your horse, it's time. Cavallos are easy to put on, easy to take off when you want to take them off, and they stay on. They stay on in all terrain. Cavallo, the world's most trusted hoof boots. C.J. Goldsmith is a novelist, an equestrian, an 18-year veteran of the classroom, and a Phi Beta Kappa with a master's degree in education in cross-cultural instruction. Returning to the horse world after a 30-year absence, she discovered a deeper connection to both her rescue mares through compassion-based horsemanship called Join Up. Well, welcome, Colleen Goldsmith. I'm so happy to have you on the show, and I'm wondering where you call in from today. I am calling from San Diego, California, That's right. and I'm so happy to be here. You're in my time zone, which is so much fun yes. for me. <laughs> we don't struggle with time zones, you and me. Yeah, it's great. So, Are you a California girl from like generationally or? Yes, I am. Wow. I am actually a second generation San Diegan, which is a rarity because we have so, so much, um, so many people coming and moving to San Diego, but yeah, um, definitely. I've been here and my family has been here for quite some time. I do have family from Texas, but you know, mostly we're all from, you know, California. So, yeah. 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 So yeah. Yeah. So that's, yeah. Those are the three countries we belong to, right? United States, Texas, and California. We're all, all <laughs> <Exactly>. countries <laughs> unto <it>. ourselves. <laughs> At least people say that about us. Oh, well. But yeah, no, I'm glad to have you on. You know, I wanted to have you on because you not only have a delicious story. I mean, it's just a wonderful story that I think a lot of people in their own way will relate to, but also that you're, you're an accomplished woman and you've been able to get or keep horses in your life. And we all want to know about that. We're all struggling with that one all the time and we like to be encouraged. So, so that's one of my first questions is, First thing is, what kept you away from horses, Colleen? Um, actually, life, just, you know, pursuing a career, um, my education, um, just kind of life things uh, that kept me away. But it was never, it was just always just a physical thing because in the back of my mind, it was, you know, horses were there. And I would remember, you know, back to my first horse, Bill, who was uh, a chestnut uh quarter appy cross he was bomb proof he was a i mean he was an actual cattle horse who had been you know on a big ranch i think somewhere here in california um and it was always such a wonderful memory and he got me through a lot during those years and you know and as i you know got married and divorced and career and this and that and i did all these other things when I, a few years ago I, Facebook, you know, there are good, very good things about Facebook, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and, um, I had, you know, however the algorithms worked, they started, um, uh, feeding me horse rescues. Mm -hmm. And that's when I thought, oh, here we go. And because I had always been that little girl who loved horses. When we moved out to the country, I was surrounded by horses, you know, and then we saw the black stallion and I was in love and I would draw horses. And I mean, I had horses all over my walls and I had my little, they weren't called Brayer back then, but they, I had my little Brayer horses and my yeah. book horses. 
you know, and so I had all of that and that was part of my childhood. But then when I saw Horse Rescue pop up again, it was just at the right time in my life. I was ready to sort of reclaim that part of myself. And so I kind of went one after the other. And I just, you know, I emailed and I volunteered at a particular rescue. And I had had lessons, you know, I'd had Western training. I was going to be in um equitation show, uh, a Western equitation show, and we didn't have the finances for it. Um, so I was actually pretty good. I knew my way around a horse. I could pick a hoof. I could, you know, tack up. I could, you know, stay in a saddle. Um, but even with my own, with, with Bill, um, I never had that connection like I saw on the movie screen. You know, I, it, I did not, you know, he was not my black. He, you know, I was not Alec Ramsey, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so when he had to go out of my life and when I came back to it now, I wanted, I wanted something different. I, I, you know, I I knew that in the back of my mind, that's what I wanted. So when I showed up there, I just kind of put it out to the universe. I said, okay, you know, I have a pretty good job here as a math teacher. I can afford a horse. I will see what happens. And I was just going to let whatever happened, happen. So as I'm going around the ranch and I'm, you know, scrubbing out the water, um, and then filling them up and all this kind of stuff. There was this one, and, and you have to, you know, like chestnut horses are pretty common, but this one chestnut mare, all chromed out, almost like Bill was, walks right up to me, and she just, it was that heart-melting moment, and I go, oh my God, you're the one, and, you know, and, and she picked me, and so it put a fire back into me. Um, you know, I, I'm a lifelong learner, And it was just so awesome to have something new to learn. And, and as, you know, and as I started working with her and eventually I did adopt her, but I would, I'm Google girl, I always Google everything. And so I would Google, you know, how to work with horses and stuff. And somehow, and I don't remember exactly how, but I ended up hitting on join up um, what you and your dad do. And I was like, Oh, wow. So I went on, I became a subscriber to Equus University and I started watching the lessons and it was just like this whole world opened up to me about a different way to be with horses. And, and so I would like, you know, so I learned about what it meant with join up and I learned how your, how Monty had learned this stuff by watching Mustangs and it was just all so new and wonderful to me. And it was so exciting that there was this new way to be with horses. It, and, and I think that that's what propelled me mm-hmm. forward. So as things should kind of yeah. roll themselves out, you know, opportunity kept coming after opportunity. And so I ended up adopting her and, you know, and I already had, her and name is her name? Uh, Pema. Uh, her name, name is Pema, Pema Tara, which is, means the Lotus of Tara. Um, she's actually an OTTB. Um, she had... I know, right? She was, she's, she can be a handful, you know, being an OTTV, um, but she had four starts. Oh, I'm just so <laughs> proud of you that you started with an OTTB rescue. That's awesome. Really? Thanks. It doesn't feel like that sometimes. It's like, what did I get myself into? So. Oh, I know, I know. Don't, too late now. She's a mom. That's okay. Well, 
That's really cool though. No, that's, I mean, we marinate on yeah. this for a second. So you, you decided to get around mm-hmm. horses again, and then you decided to work around horses again, and then your mm-hmm. horse found you. I think that, that, that happens quite a bit, but now take, take it to your personal level. So what did you want to do with her first? Was it join up? What did you um, I wanted to get that feeling back of riding a horse and everything, but but the thing was, is the, the thing about the join up was that I was in a partnership with her, meaning we were, and I wanted to teach her and having taught, you know, for 18 years and, you know, pretty steep, I have a master's in education, you know, so I know a lot about how to teach kids. And so I thought, what a fantastic opportunity to teach this horse, all of this stuff that I'm seeing on Equus online. And then I slowly got introduced to why they call chestnut thoroughbred mares what they do and so I was like yeah that's you know you know it's like yeah that's what you thought you were going to do but it turned out to be different and so what would happen is as I would watch my videos and I would like the join up part was just really wonderful because when I first did join up on her and I'm kind of you know I, I like to say instead of driving I like to say I push them around you know, you're kind of pushing them around the arena. She was, you know, I don't know where she was because she's 20 years old now. I don't know where she was from her last start to when she ended up in the uh, rescue. I don't know what her history was, but she couldn't have been uh, ridden very well because she's really, she's for an advanced rider. So my job was is to get on her and to ride her just like everyone else wants to. And so as this kind of played itself out and I would learn, you know, she would present the lessons to me, meaning, so I would go in, I would pull her from the pasture, I would, you know, put her in the round pen and I would try and do something with her and then we would hit a hiccup. And then I would go, oh, I wonder if there's something uni online, if I can look at that. And there would be, you know, this and that and all this kind of stuff. Hmm. So, so what ended up happening and in this, and, and as it played itself out, I started realizing the bond that was developing between us. And it was so much more than just let's throw a saddle on her and let's just ride her like a bicycle or a motorcycle. Yes, it was, it was great to ride her, but there was, you know, there was an, it was a living being. I don't want to get too, you know, woo woo about this, but there was, there was an intelligence there. And so it was just so wonderful um, because, you know, I had ridden horses before and that wasn't there. I was, you know, as wonderful as Bill was, you know, he was, I don't know what his training had been, but he never connected to people. He was, he was, he was well behaved. I, I remember we were in this kind of riverbank, uh, you know, we're on the riverbank and I'd walk them in and I stood on his hindquarters and jumped into the water. You could do anything with this horse except for make a connection to him. So now that I have Tema, it seems kind of the reverse because it's like she tells me what she wants to do, but we've got a connection and I trust her and she trusts me. So when we finally moved to the ranch that we were at and I had all of this, you know, um, Equus online stuff under my belt, you know, she and I, I was definitely ready to move to the next level um, with her. And, you know, and it was, it, it filled me up in such a way and and that I can only describe as dharma. I'm also a Buddhist practitioner. And as and one of the founding foundation ideas 
that I don't know if Monty's, you know, says this in his, you know, in every single lesson, but he's always asking us to sort of get into the horse's head, you know, by understanding, I was, by understanding, you know, how you're holding your hands. Well, I'm not holding my hands out like a claw because it looks weird. It's because that horse is thinking that I'm going to scratch it or eat it or whatever. So it was always this process of me having to understand this horse, whether it was Pema or my other one that I would have. And so it, it elicited a compassionate response from me. And I, I found myself mm-hmm. because I was also, you know, uh, very much into Buddhism and meditation. I found my times with her, Pema, and now also Nima, the other one. My times with them that I are the most rewarding and filling are when I'm just sitting out there with them in the pasture. And it, and we're having kind of this moment where I am with her and she is with me, but we're part of this little multi-species herd. Um, and mm-hmm. like with, it, but the moment that I had that made join up, I mean, I was completely sold on join up was when we were at that ranch and the rescue had put some of their other horses in with mine in this two acre pasture. And Pema being who she is, you know, she didn't want me to catch her and she ran around with all the other ones. Um, And so I was trying to catch her and I, I must've followed her for 20 minutes before I finally, before she finally let me. So I went home, I went online. Yes, there's the lesson. I did everything right. (laughs) And it was great. That's what I keep saying. Like I am the join up commercial girl. I will tell you this stuff is magic. Oh my God, it's magic. (laughs) Well, Thank you. That's nice. What, what, I promise I didn't. (laughs) Exactly. But (laughs) what I'm hearing, right? But what I, what, you know, here's, here's what I love about your story and that people might not catch if they don't think about it deeply is that you didn't just go find a horse to sit in the pasture with and then there's a bond, which some people kind of watch Mm -hmm. some movies and listen to some clinicians and think, Oh, I see. You know, if I don't feel that I haven't done something right. No, you built the trust and you built the bond first so that you could go out into that pasture and enjoy each other's um, intelligence, really, because you're understanding each other on a different level. But sometimes people put the (laughs) cart before the horse, sorry, but they, you know, they don't know because a lot of times we're taught as kids and you might be in, I'm probably older than you, but Mm -hmm. in the same eras, a lot of people are thrown on top of the horse and it's all about horseback Mm -hmm. riding lessons. But so it's so important what happens on the ground. I I could not be where I am with my horses had it were not for groundwork. I absolutely agree. Most people, my the connection with the horse is at the ground level, especially with her, uh, being that she's older and a little more stubborn and stuff. So I've really been forced through her to really come at her from the groundwork level, and it has completely paid off. Um, and you know, thank you for saying that because that's what I'm trying to say is that you know this bond with her came after the fact. It was not my intention to say, hey, I want to have a, you know, black stallion moment. Um, I, all I wanted was just yeah. to have, you know, a, you know, a horse that I could have fun with and connect with and ride with and all this kind of stuff. And when we were, I'll, I'll also circle back to that moment where join up, you know, was my, was my thing. As I'm, I had all the information and 
from the uh, Equus University, and I also came in with my my secret weapon of some treats in my pocket, you know, just in case, you know, this whole thing blows apart. So I had <laughs> treats in my pocket. So there's the herd there, and she's actually, you know, she is definitely an alpha mare. She's older, she's wiser, so she's driving. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so she's like the it. one. I'm like, oh, you're killing me, horse. So I'm. So I did, you know. So I said, well, I don't have a round pen, so I'm just going to drive these horses you know, like you do with join up. So here I go. So I would start flapping, right. you know, the halter that was in my um, hand. And so I was driving the whole herd. And I remember something, I can't remember which video or where I heard that your dad had said that Mustangs ran in very large circles and that deer, they would be even larger. So, so as I'm watching the horses make these big circles around the pasture to get away from me, being my math teacher mind, I said, oh, if I'm going to catch one of these guys, I got to get on a tangent. So as they, I would let them, I would kind of chase them around in a circle. And I don't want to use the word chase too badly. It's just that I would kind of push them around. And then I would change my trajectory and I'd kind of meet them. And it was, and so then I would, you know, make a tangent with that circle. I would push them back around this way. And then I started watching for the licking and the chewing and the head down and all this kind of stuff. The other horses were absolutely background. I was watching my horse for all this. She was the one I was trying to catch. Mm -hmm. So as I'm driving the herd around and she's being slippery and all, it's like, oh, you're killing me. I'm standing there under the shelter and all of a sudden I, I, I was like, I, okay, I, my horse is 100 feet off and I'm like, oh my God. So then I'm standing there looking at her and it's like she's smiling going, hee hee, you can't catch me. I feel this tickle at my right, right elbow. And I start and I turn around and there's this big, dark bay mare, uh, Philly, standing right there. And I go, oh, my God. And I go, and I just reached up real quietly and I, I, I stroked her head and I just kind of rubbed it. And, and, and I started to kind of turn and I wanted to reach into my pocket and grab out a treat to reward and then she ran off. So, but the thing was, though... Yeah, that, that the, the the moving, doing something else. But it was in that moment of, oh, my God, that's what join up was. It was just an amazing moment. Yeah. So then, and there's a little story about that, Philly, later on. So as I'm still trying to catch my horse, and she only went around one more time, that Philly is following me. So now, automatically, I wasn't even paying attention to her. I had join up and follow up automatically and my horse the one who I'm doing this with, is still running away from me so finally I catch her long story short I continued to work with Pema and this other filly who had been at my elbow it should come to pass she was also part of the rescue she had you know and I don't I'm not going to say anything bad about this particular rescue but they weren't taking care of her we I had I had been the one who had to put finally work with her to pull her from the pasture because nobody could catch her. I was the one who was able to catch her for no other reason than I had joined up and I had joined up with her. And so for me, that horse was like my, you know, she's my poster child for join up. So eventually we discovered that she had some idiopathic glaucoma. The rescue took her back. They didn't treat her. And a year later, where Pema and I had moved to another nearby location, all of a sudden here comes that horse, that dark bay filly. Mm. And they had let her eye get worse. And I said, you know what? I need to, we all say we don't, you know, we don't need another horse. But with this particular horse, it wasn't like I was shopping for shoes or shopping for purses. This was, I need to yeah. take her. I need this. I need to get, 
I had to do this. This was I said I said, Dear God, please give me the resources to take care of this horse. You brought this horse back into my life. And so I did. We hooked it up and she turned out between the time that I had her in that field to the time I actually adopted her, she had become even more spooky. And so it was only through join up and yeah, yeah, especially with losing sight in that near eye. Right. She did have one trainer who worked with her very, very well, um, tr- treated her very well, gave, you know, gave her some ground manners, but she was still really super head shy. And eventually I did, you know, I took on her responsibility. I did eventually have to enucleate her. But mm-hmm. if it had not been, and like I said, I am the join up commercial. If it had not been for my ability to work with horses on the ground that I had learned with join up, I would not have been able to be to say that with her today. I can sit in a chair on the ground. She turns her rear end to me. And it's not because, and I, here I am in the kick zone. I can see her tail right, right in front of me. She just wants to get scratched. And it, oh. that's, because that was how I would reward her, you know, as I was trying to work with her on the ground and, and work with her near side and stuff like that. But like I said, well, when we work with blindness, um, there's just a different, you know, or yeah. even going blindness, um, there's a different set of circumstances that yeah. it, they're special. Uh, you really you have to, it's a different sense of responsibility mm-hmm. that you have with horses that are blind and, and you have to be careful and very trusting. So there's a couple of principles I heard in there. Don't catch your horse. Catch you. Let your horse catch you. Exactly. <laughs> right. I remember that. And, yeah. and that you've. Yeah, yeah, you lived it out. And and there's it's a funny principle. I'd like to address the chasing too cuz I heard you say that reflexively and I think I think it's a good point to make. Um so in a herd there's always a matriarch, yeah. right? There's the the leader of the herd is not the big <laughs> salmon, unfortunately. It's, it is the it's the big beautiful mare who um, asserts herself and she moves the feet. There are critics uh, who say, oh, you know, you shouldn't just chase those horses around because it's frightening, it's traumatizing, it's all these things. But it really is, Mm -hmm. depending on how you do it, we hope you're not, you know, really frightening him. But what it is, is moving the feet. So when you're controlling the feet, everybody who knows the matriarch controls the feet or he who, you know, moves the footfalls or controls the footfalls or whatever you want to say is the one that um, is the leader out there. And horses look for leadership. They look for hierarchy in a herd, no matter what any yep. scientist tells you, and uh, there's always hierarchy in a herd, and it changes. The dynamics change mm-hmm. with age and all all kinds of other demographics. But the moving the feet does not. Did you have them all exhausted oh, in that field? When you no, were, no, when it, you it was it was uh, when no. I wrote my novel. No. I tried to also because I had that image in my mind. I have my main character doing something like that, and what it was funny because obviously I just wanted my horse. The horses would kind of kind of shed like water. So there would be a few who would just kind of, they always kept an eye on me, but I wasn't, you know, I wasn't, you know, I would, I would flap my arm to drop, you know, to, to move them forward. And then I would drop my hand to this, both my hands to the side, make sure that my sunglasses were off of my eyes. And then I, I would kind of round my shoulders and kind of walk with my head sorted down. Like I was following after them. Like I was another horse. They kept me in view and, you know, and so then some of them would circle to the left, someone circled to the right, but the ones who would circle to the right with my horse or whoever circled with my horse, those were the ones I was going after. So what in my mind was functioning at that time was that even though I, it, 
appeared to the horses that I had singled out this particular one, which could be considered dangerous because that's how, you know, that's how wolves um, act in the wild. The other horses, they could see that there was no threat. I have my shoulders rounded. I have my head kind of down and I'm just sort of following along. I'm not, you know, uh, one thing that your dad also, um, I can't remember which video it was, but the idea of binocular vision and how we we are predators. Our body is made to be like a predator, like a bird, like a like a you know big cat, like a big dog. Our eyes are in in front. I, eyes exactly. In front. So yes. what I That's tried right. to make myself do was behave like a prey animal in a sense, where I would my side where I needed to see them out of the side of my head or the side of my eyes, so that when I followed them, I wasn't chasing because there is there is a subtle difference and you have to watch your body language from you know because if you go in a straight line after like a haunch you you know if you go in a straight line tangent after them you will scare them around but if you kind of yes exactly and that was so when I wanted to change their direction I would I would make a straight line I would make a tangent when I wanted to change their direction but when I wanted to follow them, I had to make sure that I was also following in an arc too. So there was this geometry of horses that I was working with. Um, well yeah. said. Thank you. Well um, yeah. You know, that 45 degree yeah. angle is, is hugely, mm-hmm. it's inviting actually. It's, it's as you say, and I, I hadn't even thought of it exactly the way you just said it is that it, you, you are, you are kind of like a horse's eye yep. on the side of their head. Um, and, and basically it's a, just a neutral because both eyes piercing mm-hmm. at them, you know, is what appears predatorial. But as soon as you take both eyes off, they become less concerned about that and actually will use as an invitation if you've mm-hmm. done everything else right and, and you made your body put your body in the right place, it is an actual invitation for them to come, which is what that bear did for you when she ended up at your elbow. And that's a beautiful, that's a beautiful way to describe it. I appreciate it. And my gosh, you just dropped in there about your book. (laughs) You have a book. So we didn't even talk about that. I want to have you back. You you know what I'd love to do is read your book and see see what you're all about. And uh, you have a you have a pen name, Mm -hmm. CJ Goldsmith, I guess. Gender neutral. and uh, yeah, you had put that in gender neutral and I, you had that in your bio. So I, um, I wanted to make a note of that and ask you about it. So I would love to get your book and then maybe we can do a book episode oh. too. Maybe we can talk about that and, and expand a little bit on how you've used these join up principles in your book. If you did, I, I did try like to, um, I was trying to be, you know, your join up and your dad really kind of opened my eyes to a lot of several different things, especially the Mustang, the problems with the Mustang. I had no idea mm-hmm. that that was even yeah. going on now. Um, and so the story is about um, what's happening on public lands right now. And I've tried to weave in because, you know, well, it's in there. I put it in there. But I really did try to, I know, oh, I tried I to, to capture it. without, you know, <laughs> infringing on copyrights. Um, but I wanted to capture that yeah. same feeling that I had with the horses, with my own horses, um, for my protagonist so that she can have the life-saving moment, if you will, for her, that so many of us who know this about horses, how much they uh, mean to us, and and those of us who love horses too much, um, we know that they can change our lives, and they can change our lives for the better. And, um, and I kind of, and I knew that it had to do 
you know, how it helped to change my life had to do with my being able to be connected through join up to my horses. And I kind of tried to do that with the novel too, so that even though it's part of a series and I have a lot more stuff planned, um, this first one, this first one, by the end of the story, my hope for the reader is that they have that understanding. You know, it's kind of that understanding beyond words that I, that we all have, that we share when we're really, really connected Mm -hmm. uh, to the intelligence of our own horses. And you know, Colleen, Colleen, I can just tell the horses have done something to the inside of you. And it's wonderful (laughs) when you're so, you're so, yeah, you're so wonderful to share with us too about that. And, um, and I'd love to hear some more too. And here you are. I mean, it must have, uh, are the kids in the classroom exposed to any of this horsemanship? How do you contain that? You must talk. Um, You know, there is, I don't, because of math, I'm kind of strapped on how I can connect that. Um, but yeah, my students have known that I'm, you know, Oh, horse person. And, and my, yeah, she she has horses and on and on. I've had, I had a teacher give me her saddle. She's Oh yeah, I wanted to get this saddle and I was going to do this and this, but here's this saddle. I'm like, okay, great. But there's actually one of the schools in this area. I don't know if they're still doing it, but a few years ago, they were actually working with at-risk youth, teaching them equestrian Mm -hmm. skills for that connection. And there's a lot of programs um, that I've looked into about connecting people with horses again to help people who are in high risk or who are high needs populations, who are high risk populations. And that is something that I would like to do later on, you know, down the road is. Well, I'm going to have to expose you to I um, uh, yes. movement and yes. lead up. Oh yes, okay. I already know. <laughs> we'll have to yes, be talking yes, about I'm, this. I'm completely, okay. you know, I'm just waiting for the door to fling open that allows me to be able to afford and do all this stuff because I really, mm-hmm. you know, um, even in the classroom, I have, you know, the the kids don't know I'm doing this, but um, I will use certain techniques of join up, like instead of when I'm talking to my students. If I, if they seem to be in kind of a, a fearful situation or whatever, you know, like they're, you know, whatever it might be, because a lot of people have math phobias. It's, you know, I can teach pretty much anybody to do math, but people come to me with their problems of, about math. And so I would sit there and I would just kind of turn myself like I would with the horses and just we would be kind of side by side mm-hmm. instead of me standing straight at them. And those little subtle yes. body language cues are things, you know, so I'm always trying to do that kind of stuff wherever I can because it does help. And it is, it oh, is, um, um, it, it, in, on, in all actuality, it is a kind of a compassion-based type of, you know, um, teaching for horses because horses, I think, you know, in my head, and you probably would not be surprised, but in my head, I would love to see in the future people have more horses you know, fewer cars and more horses and they have horses as pets. And, you know, we all know how expensive they are. It's like, what are you nuts? And I'm like, well, yeah, but you know, I can still hope that. Yeah. What's it cost for therapy? <laughs> though? Right, exactly. <laughs> $250 an hour versus let's go out and pet my horse for free. You know? So yeah, exactly. 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 You know, don't, don't, go, don't go to a shrink, get a horse. So that's my thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, we exactly. have bumper no, I did see a bumper sticker that said, my horse is my therapy. I saw that. I'm like, okay, where I got to Google that. I got to yes, find that. Yes, that's true. Find that. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> exactly. I support them. Uh, well, 
<laughs> Colleen, thank you so much for joining us today. And I can tell there's going to be a lot of conversations yes, we need. To absolutely. Have. I am so honored to be here. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Thank you for joining us on Horsemanship Radio. Monty Roberts is proud to partner with the Right Horse Initiative, which seeks to help horses in transition by massively increasing horse adoption in the United States. The Right Horse understands that most horses will have multiple owners during their lifetime. Often, these horses find themselves in transition due to no fault of their own and can move into a second or third career with the right adopter. Adoption can be a great option when you're looking for a new horse. To help you find your perfect right horse, the Right Horse Initiative developed an innovative new website for adoptable horses called My Right Horse. On MyRightHorse.org, you can search hundreds of available horses by breed, discipline, age, and location. It's simple, user-friendly, and of course, mobile-friendly too. With a wide range of adoptable horses from all over the country, MyRightHorse.org can help you find the horse of your dreams. Visit MyRightHorse.org to find your next horse through adoption. Whisper the language of the herd. Listen, you don't have to say a word. It's time for Jamie Jennings to fetch an email from Monty Roberts' inbox and share a morsel of Monty's wisdom in a little segment we like to call Ask Monty. Leave this world a better place in the The magic in the language of the herd. Dear Monty, I have a horse that kicks in the trailer while traveling. He also kicks the wall once in a while in the stable. What can you tell me about the use of kicking rings? Monty's answer. The kicking ring is a device commonly used to discourage and preferably stop a horse from the annoying and potentially dangerous habit of kicking. This habit can inflict injury, not only to the animal itself, but also to other animals, people, and structures in the vicinity. The actual ring is simply a smooth round steel bar, five-eighths of an inch in diameter, bent into a bracelet shape. You or your farrier can easily create a set, just be extremely careful that all the rough edges have been smoothed off to prevent any chafing. Construct the ring at an appropriate size to slip onto the horse's upper pastern area. It will be held in place as it slides down to the wider area above the coronary band. This device does not inflict pain, only minor discomfort, which distracts the horse from whatever it is that makes him think he wants to kick. The side benefit is that the massaging of the coronary band as the horse walks around stimulates healthy hoof growth. For more of these insights into good horsemanship, Go to www.montyroberts.com and click on the orange banner that says, Get Free Horse Tips. Hi, I'm Monty Roberts, and I'm dedicated to training horses without pain. You can learn to do it too on my Equus Online University. Western, English, the beginner, or the advanced rider. It doesn't matter. You can connect with other students online too on our forum, And there's a new lesson every week. It's a lifetime of learning for you on my Equus Online University at MontyRoberts.com. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Where in the world is Monty Roberts? 
Monty is looking forward to meeting some new friends, two-legged and four-legged. October 19th, he's headed over to Hart Perry, and that's a college in the middle of the UK. Beautiful college there. Well, he'll be meeting up with Wallace, the dressage mule, and uh, pretty famous now. And then October 25, 27, and 31, he will be on his 15th anniversary tour of Germany in uh, cities that you'll find on our website. And then November 2nd and 10th, he heads over to Germany. Germany for two more dates, Fulda and Nubalik. In between there, he trains for the Queen. There's a name dropper. And then um, he will be uh, in Hungary on December 1 and 2 in the Monty Roberts Join Up Master Demonstration in the middle of Budapest. Very exciting. And then advance warning on February 15, 16, and 17. That's President's Day weekend in 2019. Flag is Up Farms in Solvang, California, Monty's Ranch. Uh, will be putting on an equine facility management clinic that is hosted by us. And it's a um, it's a CHA, or Certified Horsemanship Association, clinic in order to certify facility managers. Well, if you did not, commit all of that to memory. I know I didn't. You can find it all and more at the website at montyroberts.com. If you have a question that requires a human being, they've got those too. <laughs> we still do. We still have human beings. And the phone number at Flag is Up Farms is 805-688-6288. And remember that Flag is Up Farms is in California. So they're yeah. on uh, California time zone. That's true. Yeah. If, if you call early, if you're, if you're listening to this in Australia message. or New York, you'll take note of that. Please note. Yeah, that's true. But we'll call you back. We'll, we'll, call, you we'll back. call you back. Yeah. If uh, you need details about today's show's get guests or topics, you can find them at horsemanshipradio.com. It's episode number 121. And there will be links and pictures. And we love your feedback. Great way to give us feedback is by Facebook, Monty Roberts, or you can go to Twitter or Debbie's new favorite, Instagram. Yay, Yay. I love it. And Monty's handle uh, there is Monty underscore Roberts. Right. So those are your social media outlets. If you want to listen to lots of podcasts or show your friends how to listen to lots of podcasts about horses, you need to get the Horse Radio Network app for your iPhone or your Android. Go to your app store and search Horse Radio Network and download it. It's quick. It's free. And show your friends how to do it, too. That's right. Be a, be a good neighbor, right? And many thanks to our sponsors, too. Omega Fields, Cavallo Horse and Rider, MontyRobertsUniversity.com. That's where all our online lessons are. You'll love those. And uh, we're doing, we're helping campaign for MyRideHorse.org to help transition those horses from one spot to a new life. And until next time, have many happy horse hours.